Well, every blessing to you all and welcome back to another open air video. No, as you can see, not from the open air pulpit. Still too many horse flies or dragon flies. I guess it must be the breeding season. So for the foreseeable future, I will pick alternative locations to produce videos such as this, dealing with controversial subjects. And for this morning, like LGBT, like same-sex adoptions. And I was sent a video to watch about a woman who was raised by two mothers and she gave her account, not a testimony, she's an unsaved woman, but she may one day go on to be saved, I don't know, she's still scarred uh, by being raised by two people of the same sex and yet she still loves her mummies, her two mothers, but she felt at a disadvantage and of course she was and what she didn't know at the time, being a child and of course nobody asked her for her opinion to be raised by two people of the same sex was that she was the victim she was a victim of a social experiment let's see how far we can push the boundaries let's see if we get any pushback if you go back to 2006 2007 when a blanket ban was brought into the uk uh, concerning people that smoke cigarettes in public and at the time I thought, is there going to be a backlash? Are people going to protest against such a draconian ban? Nobody said a word. Nobody said a word. Yes, you had a few people that stood against it and said they would smoke anyway in public and were fined maybe a couple of hundred pounds. But 99% of those that smoke in this country and like to smoke in pubs, clubs or restaurants, they all fell in line. They all fell in line. And it's my belief that this woman, whose name is uh, Millie Fontana, and there are many like her, sadly, around the world, have all been victims of a social experiment to see, number one, how successful would it be to raise children with just maybe two mothers or two fathers, to see if anybody in society or in powers, in positions of authority, what they would say, what they would do, would they kick against it, would they say no, this goes against nature or would they just roll over and allow it to take place well of course they would roll over and allow same-sex marriage same-sex adoption i will say one thing in defense of southern ireland that at least they have allowed their people the opportunity to vote on abortion divorce same-sex marriage they've given referendum after referendum to the irish people also concerning the euro and yet in the UK, we haven't been given a referendum excluding Brexit, which I will discuss a little later perhaps, just three years ago. That's the only referendum that the British people have been given. And yet we live in this generation, referred to in the book of Revelation as the Church of the Laodicea, the Church of Human Rights, People's Rights, not God's Rights. Nobody cares what God thinks, but what do people think? And these people in this era that we now live in, run by for the most part uns unsaved people are the ones who speak the most about human rights diversity that's the buzzword giving people a helping hand up so on and so forth and yet when millie was conceived and put into a same-sex couple family nobody asked her her opinion nobody consulted her and as she's grown up she's looked around she's seen that her friends have got fathers and she didn't have a father she missed out on a father 
She had mummy and mummy, you see. Or the alternative, daddy and daddy. It doesn't work. And her friends had fathers, and of course she's the victim, like I say, of this experiment, which has been running for maybe 10 years or so now. As she grows up, she will probably get married or have children. And she will see once again, she knows this already, she's already spoken about this at length, but she will see with her own eyes what she has missed out on. You can't rob children of their God-given rights to have a father and a mother. It takes a man and a woman to produce a child. But unfortunately, those in the UK have been deprived votes on, it could be same-sex marriage, it could be permitting abortion, decriminalizing homosexuality, decriminalizing capital punishment. Time after time, those that run this country have deprived British people of a vote, of a say as to how they want this country to be run. And yet these same people, these same hypocrites go on and on and on about the will of the people, people's freedom of choice, diversity, so on and so forth. And yet they won't give us the vote. They won't allow us to have our say. And I watch someone like Millie Fontana, a victim, being raised by two women. She loves these women, incidentally, which is to her credit. And I'm sure these two women did love her. I won't negate that. And I'm sure it's possible for two men to have a love for a child or children in their care. But that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right. Or put it this way, here's the compromise. If two guys want to live together, okay, fine. If two women want to live together, okay, fine. If an unmarried couple want to live together, okay, fine. I don't agree with that. But here's the compromise. Okay, let's agree for argument's sake that that can take place. But what gives you the right to bring children into the, into the uh, equation, into the mix? What allows you to do that? The moment you do that, you are depriving children of their God-given right to have a father and a mother. And this woman, as she was growing up, felt an emptiness. She felt she was missing out on something. And of course she was. Her friends had fathers. Some of her friends may have been raised by single parents, but at least they could see their fathers once a week, once a month, or maybe the occasional evening after school. Millie had nobody to go and see. And when she was 12, she was able to meet her father for the first time. And that went some way, I think, in helping her to heal from the wounds of being deprived of her biological father. Genesis chapter 2 sets the narrative when it comes to what is right, what is wrong. If you're not a Bible-believing Christian, you have no ultimate authority, you have no principles per se, you have no morals per se, uh, per se. What do they all say? It's subjective. There's no final authority, you see. You've got people over in Westminster deciding what's right, what's wrong, not what's good or evil. They don't believe in good or evil, but they get to decide what's right and wrong. They get to decide what is a marriage, and they have destroyed the family units, and it's my belief that in the next probably five or six, ten years, more and more children are going to be growing up like Millie, hit their 20s, go on to get married probably, 
or have children of their own and they will see once again what they have missed out on. An old Millie is being shunned by the LGBT community. She is persona non grata. She's a bigot, you see. She's not allowed to question the status quo. She's not allowed to have her say. She has to fall in line, you see. Going back to a documentary I watched, maybe 18 months ago, called Red Pill, made by an American feminist, and she began her documentary interviewing women that had experienced domestic violence of the preconceived belief that men are the bad guys and how women are the victims only to discover that it's almost 50 50 now that women are just as vicious and vindictive and manipulative and wicked depraved conniving as men are as you travel the world speaking to men that have suffered at the hands of controlling wives and partners so on and so forth deprived of access to their children many of these men have gone on to kill themselves because they can't gain access to their children and this woman an american feminist has also been frozen out of the feminist community we have this very powerful presence in the uk at the moment not just in this country elsewhere referred to as the lgbt community lesbian gay bisexual transgender a tiny minority of people a tiny movement i think there are probably less vegetarians than those from the lgbt community, uh, community and yet the lgbt community continued to dominate this country the media are on their side government is on their side show business is certainly on their side and when someone like millie gets up who was raised in that environment and speaks about the wrongs of what she went through the scars of what she has experienced and the long-term repercussions of being deprived of a father she is told to be quiet she's told to sit down she's told to shut her mouth like the journalist who went after the feminist movement concerning men being stigmatized marginalized and she too has been told to be quiet who gave these people such authority who do these people think they are those from the lgbt community they are a powerful force and on top of that they have friends in very powerful places go back to the late 1960s a handful of politicians in westminster decided to make abortion legal nobody asked the british people about that no vote was put to the british people about that around the same time or late 1960s capital punishment was abolished again based on a tiny minority of parliamentarians wasn't put to the vote nobody was asked their views as to whether or not they agreed with the abolition of capital punishment or the legalization of abortion at least our friends in southern ireland have had votes after votes after votes after votes i don't agree with what the irish have voted on but you can't criticize the irish they gave their people the right to have a say but not in the uk and maybe 10 years ago or so the conservative governments in this country not the labor party or the liberal democrats which you might have thought but the conservative party 
in this country decided to legalize same-sex marriage. Who would have thought that would take place? But it has. If you think of the last election in America, you had a Republican president being endorsed by certain members of the LGBT community. Who would have thought that? You would have thought that the Democrats would be heavily supported and funded and promoted and endorsed by the LGBT community or the Labour Party in this country, but it was a Republican president. And just last week, that same president, who wants to be re-elected next year, has given his blessing to two men to be married. He thinks that's quite a right. These people are liberals. They may be conservatives concerning certain subjects, but when it comes to morality, they are liberals. I want to discuss that also this morning. But as a Bible-believing Christian, and for this morning, I want to look at three passages in the Bible. I have a final authority, because that's what it comes down to. You can't trust politicians in Parliament or priests in churches. They change their mind, you see. They blow with the wind. You can't trust me. I can't trust you. I might blow with the wind. You might blow with the wind. And people say this, but society has changed. And they say when society changes, we have to move with society. That's not true. Most people in this country want the death penalty reinstalled. But it won't happen because the politicians won't allow it to happen. There are many things that people in this country would like a vote on, would like a say on, but they won't be allowed to have it. Brexit was the exception. Brexit was the exception. And of course Brexit has opened a whole can of worms. When Brexit was put to the people three years ago, the Conservatives, the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats almost amalgamated to come together to say let's vote to remain. Yes, you had some Conservatives, some Labour MPs, pro-Britain, anti-Brexit, but for the most part, like 96% of politicians voted to remain in Brussels. But Genesis chapter 2 tells you what God wants when it comes to a family unit. And there are many things that God gives Christians, especially liberty, to do or not to do. There are many things that God will turn a blind eye to, if you will, when it comes to rights and wrongs, but there's one thing that he won't turn a blind eye to, and that is the first of all marriage and subsequent birth of children. Genesis chapter 2 Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 21, if you will. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Of course, this is mocked by most non-Christians and even professing Christians will question this account. They hold to, it could be macro evolution or micro evolution. But as far as I'm concerned, this is a literal account of 
God Almighty, Father, Son and Spirit, the triune God, creating Adam. But on top of the creation of Adam, the creation of a woman. And the Lord God, verse 21, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Adam is also a type of Christ, and he slept. Picture, if you will, of Christ's time in the tomb. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, like the church, and brought her unto the man. Adam was asleep, had no say in this. Later on, God makes a covenant with Abraham. He's asleep, has no say concerning this covenant, because the covenant was completely dependent on God Almighty. The creation of Eve was completely dependent on God Almighty. Adam had no say in this whatsoever. 23, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Later on, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And as a result of that, he, being God, will make man a help mate, somebody to assist him, somebody to come alongside him. It's not right for people, whether men or women, to be perpetually alone, going back to the problem of Catholic priests being celibate, being single, or nuns being celibates being single, being forced to conform to such a position. Look at verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. It's Adam, it's Eve, it's Jesus, it's the church. Adam is a type of Christ. Eve is a type of the church. The church cannot survive without Jesus. Without me, you can do nothing. Adam couldn't survive without Eve. Eve couldn't survive without Adam. By chapter 5, God says how their name was Adam. This also gets up the noses of feminists. If you are a woman, you've either got your father's surname as your name or your husband's surname as your name and if you have children they take the father's surname as their surname women in the bible have no identity per se christians have no identity outside of the lord jesus christ without him we are sunk we are completely hopeless helpless we are in need of redemption lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. This is the first operation in the history of the world. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. This is all from the Lord. A man and a woman get together. They produce a child. The seed comes from the man, not the woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, a woman, because she was taken out of man. This is basic biology. But even this is being kicked against. If you are a student in college or university and you challenge the narrative, you question what is being pushed 
on your campuses, or maybe you question evolution. You are told to be quiet, you are told to sit down. If you teach creation, or if you hold to creation in college or university, let's say you are a teacher or a lecturer, the powers that be will cut your funding. They'll cut your funding. And yet again, these same people speak the most about freedom of speech, diversity, we have to love one another, don't silence me, I've got rights, etc 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 and yet when you question them even in love that video i watched this morning by millie fontana very articulate no contempt no hostility speaking from the heart how she was deprived a victim of circumstances and yet even with a gentle tone people are still disliking the video still asking her to be quiet, not inviting her to speak at certain events. Going back to this is the era of Laodicea. And the whole thing is going to continue to deteriorate. So Genesis chapter 2 starts the narrative from creation, dealing with Adam, dealing with Eve. And again, in, in type, in uh, prophetical circles, Adam is Christ, Eve is the church. And of course, God is a final authority. Without a final authority, what a mess you've got. You've got politicians running the show. You've got priests flip-flopping, like I say, vicars flip-flopping. The Church of Rome, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago, banned. They actually closed their adoption agencies because they didn't agree with same-sex couples adopting children. And yet the same priests will give communion, which they believe to be the literal body and blood of Christ, to homosexuals, to lesbians, practicing homosexuals, practicing lesbians, completely hypocritical. But of course, Rome is a political system, not just a spiritual one. Go to Matthew chapter 19. In the next several years, like I say, more Millies will come of age, get married or have relationships, have children, and their children will grow up and their children will have what they never had, mommy and daddy. But now if you are in that system, you can't question it. The children are very protective of their parents. I saw something else a few nights ago along the same lines of children that are being raised by single-sex parents and they go to school and they'd see their friends having mothers and fathers and they got very defensive over that as you would expect look at what's going on in the midlands at the moment and parts of manchester you've got muslim parents opposed quite rightly to their children being taught that it's okay for two men to have children or two women to have children and this has been going on for weeks now and i watched a video just two nights ago of a labor mp who went to this school in birmingham fascinating to watch and she was clashing with her own constituents muslims basically saying that the lgbt community have her uh support 
and how these Islamists or Muslims are in the wrong. And then again, go back to the statistics. LGBT community is a minority group in this country. Minority group in this country, and yet they're holding the majority to ransom. There are far, far more Muslims in this country than there are LGBT people. And here's this liberal politician torn. Which way is she going to go? And she went with the LGBT community. There's a spirit behind that community. This country is almost hypnotized at the moment. Nobody would dare speak out against LGBT people. It's the flavor of the month, you see. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Now Jesus is speaking. Verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? We just read it. Genesis chapter 2. And if Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, doesn't know who wrote the Bible, doesn't know what is right or wrong, good or evil, then nobody does. And said, verse 5, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain, and these two shall be one flesh, one in the sense of unity. Going back to my videos defending the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three that bear record in heaven, the Word, the Blood, or the Word, the Father, and the Spirit, excuse me, 1 John chapter 5, three people, three persons, but one God, and they come together as one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, not one in the sense of singleness, but one in the sense of unity. And here's the same sort of a thing concerning a man and a woman coming together, like to consummate the marriage, like Adam, like Eve, not Adam and Steve. I know it's a, a corny cliche, but it's true. Verse 6, Wherefore, they are no more twain, no more two, but one flesh. The Father and I are one. So Jesus Christ is affirming Genesis chapter 2. He is affirming, first of all, that God, not evolution, but God, created man, being Adam, and woman, being Eve. And you shall call their name, their name, Adam. Because again, the woman takes either her father's name as her own, or her husband's name as her own. And when she has children, they take their father's name as their own. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So how dare you? How dare you create a child, put that child, not with a man or a woman, married or unmarried, but with two men or two women. And those children are growing up, like I say, already feeling like they're being shortchanged, already feeling like they've missed out on something. I've got no daddy, they say. Or I've got no mummy, they say. Two men cannot compensate for a mother and father. Two women cannot compensate for a man 
or woman. And I'll say this also, I don't even think it's right for a single man, whether heterosexual or homosexual, to adopt a child. I don't believe that. Or a single woman, whether heterosexual or homosexual, to adopt a child. I don't believe it. I don't believe in that. I think it's wrong. I think kids are entitled to a mother and a father. And anything else is completely unacceptable. What therefore God hath joined together in the context of a marriage, also following on to procreation, let not man put asunder. So when a child is conceived outside of a healthy family unit, and then imported into a same-sex couple environment, that is against scripture. It's against nature. But again, these kids aren't being consulted. These kids are victims of a, of a social experiment decided by a tiny minority of people and backed up, backed up by the majority of parliamentarians in this country and all over the world. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. If you are a married couple without children, may I suggest that you start adopting. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, you start to adopt, and if you can, adopt as many children as you can. I think when the judgment of Christ comes around, Jesus Christ is going to judge Christians like Christian couples husbands and wives, not single people. Again, I don't agree with that. You may be a single man, you may be a single woman. I don't think it's right for one person, whether married or unmarried, whether saved or unsaved, to adopt a child or children. I think it's wrong. But if you are a Christian couple, or even a heterosexual couple, non-Christian, a non-Christian couple, but obviously from my standpoint, a saved Christian couple, but even, even if you are a non-Christian couple, I think you should adopt children because they need you desperately. But if you are a saved couple, a good Christian couple, and you've got a decent sized house, a decent income, I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't adopt children if you haven't got children. Also, in the UK, the government will pay you to adopt children. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. That's why you have children. First and foremost, because you love your husband. You love your wife. Children are a product of love. Children are conceived in love, not lust. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as a Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Going back to Genesis chapter 2. Adam loved Eve, gave his life for Eve. Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. Adam and Eve had physical children, 
Jesus Christ has spiritual children. Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son. This book is not only a religious book, this book is not only a historical book, this book is a family book. And in the good old days when you got a Bible, you had a section in the beginning where you'd write your name on it, the date you got it, and all of the birth dates of your children and major events in their lives. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So I won't rule out the possibility of two women having a love for their child. Merely made that statement, how her mother and mother loved her. I won't rule that out. I won't dismiss it. And she still loves her mother and mother. But she knows it's not right. She knows it's wrong. She sees herself as a victim. And now she is speaking out against being the victim of such an experiment. And yes, it's possible for two men to have a love for their adopted child or children, but that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right just because somebody has a form of love, a form of affection. Is it right? That's the question. Is it scriptural? For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, very true, but nourisheth it, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So you can't miss it, can you? It starts in Genesis. It's picked up by Jesus, Matthew 19. It's reinforced by Paul, Ephesians chapter 5. The family unit is sacred. And time after time after time, God speaks about the widows, but also the fatherless children, fatherless children. And those that read this book on a regular basis see what God thinks about widows, and also widowers, obviously, but also fatherless children. Kids are being destroyed. Kids are being robbed. Kids are being deprived of not having fathers. Going back to the Red Pill documentary, fathers killing themselves due to, like I say, ex-wives robbing them of access to their children. Of course, not all uh, men are in that position. Some men have walked out on their children. Some women have walked out on their children as well. It goes both ways. It's not just men that are the baddies or are wicked at times. So too are women. Women can also abandon their children. But every time a father walks out on his child or children, or if you are a sperm donor, you are also depriving the child in question to have that balanced life, that balanced upbringing. Father does one aspect of the upbringing, mother does the other aspect of the upbringing. They need each other. Two women can't produce a child. Two men cannot produce a child. You can't get around it, can you? You need a man and a woman. This isn't even Bible. This is basic biology. For this cause, verse 31, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, not in the sense of a common law wife, 
but in the sense of a recognized wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Yes, it's a mystery, obviously. When Moses wrote Genesis, he was told to write about Adam, a literal man, Eve, a literal woman. But Adam is a type of Jesus again, and Eve is a type of the church. Adam and Eve had physical children. Jesus Christ has spiritual children. But it's still about the family unit. And here Paul is expounding on this mystery. Nevertheless, verse 33, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife, see that she reverence her husband. So the Bible's definition of love is first and foremost concerning a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And on top of that, to love their children. In fact, chapter six tells you that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, children, obey your parents, not parents, not daddy and daddy, not mummy and mummy, but obey your parents in the Lord. Anything else is unacceptable. Anything else is robbing children of their rights to have a father and a mother. But this goes back to what I said at the beginning of this message, that these kids are victims of this social experiment. And over the next 10 years or so, the results will become more and more clear to see and the consequences are going to last for probably a generation or two to come but of course we're living in the last days we were told this would happen we were told that people would be haters of god and that's what they are haters of god and when you hate god you stop walking with him you stop obeying him and you start walking after your own lusts and when you walk after your own lusts all hell breaks loose and that's basically what we've got today so I'll leave it there and sign out and wish you every blessing and happiness in the wonderful name of our great God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and Amen. And how could I forget a quick PS, if I may, concerning Brexit, which I briefly mentioned at the beginning of this video. That has been the only referendum put to the British people over the past 40 years. And the majority voted to leave. But look at the leaders that are pro-Britain, anti-Brexit. Tommy Robinson, pro-LGBT. Nigel Farage, pro-LGBT. And Carl Benjamin, pro-LGBT. They may be pro-Britain, and that's a good thing, of course. Nothing wrong with loving one's own country. But when it comes to defending the minority of minorities, allowing more LGBT rights. Robinson is pro it. Farage is for it. Benjamin is also for it. You can't put your faith or confidence in men. Put not your confidence in the son of man in whom there is no hope. Politicians, whether pro-Britain, anti-Brexit, or anti-Britain, pro-Brexit, haven't got the answers, don't have the solutions. Only this book has the solutions. Only God Almighty 
has the solution and only Jesus Christ is able to heal the wounds that Millie is experiencing and millions, millions like her all over the world that are indirectly being influenced to promote this movement. And I don't think this will get any better, this will get worse because like I say, the vast majority of politicians in this country are all pro this agenda. And on that bleak assessment and statements, I will sign out this time and uh, bless you all in the wonderful name of our triune God, the Father, the Son and the Spirit. God bless you all. Amen and Maranatha.